Welcome, everybody. This Legends of Sports podcast. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver. I'm joined by a longtime friend of mine on social media. This man is a brilliant man. I mean, we're talking lawyer extraordinaire, New Orleans sports historian, a faithful Houdat Nation member, my brother, Jody. Jody, how you doing this beautiful Saturday afternoon? I'm good, Robert. Very good. I'm, I'm excited to be on this podcast. I'm excited to talk about the first Hall of Famer to come out of my favorite team and your favorite team, the New Orleans mm-hmm. Saints. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, real quick, before we get into Jody's memories of Ricky Jackson, I want to do a quick uh, breakdown of his early career. He was an incredible linebacker. Actually, he wasn't a linebacker. He was a defensive end at the University of Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Panthers. Jody, that team was a tremendous team. Um, that team was loaded. And, in fact, they won a national championship the year before he got there, 1976. They they won a national championship with the greatest player to ever come out of University of Pittsburgh and Tony Dorsett, Tony who, won Dorsett. The he- who won the Heisman that year. And I that I didn't I I didn't see any of that because I didn't start watching college football until Ricky's freshman year in 1977. Now all the hype was on Hugh Green. Hugh Green was looked at, and he was his he was his uh defensive counterpart on the the on the other side of the of the defensive end on the Pittsburgh Panthers, the Pitt Panthers. He was considered. He was considered. The next great thing. He he won all the awards, both him and Ricky's senior year, the Lombardi Award, the Maxwell Award. The only award he didn't win was the Heisman Trophy, which, if I'm not mistaken, in 19 went to George Rogers. George Rogers was the Heisman yeah. Trophy winner in 1980. Uh, Ricky yeah. Jackson, J- Ricky Jackson wasn't even talked about. And I remember watching college football. And by the way, everybody, back then. College football wasn't on ESPN. ESPN was a baby. They didn't have a, any college football yet on ESPN. ABC had a monopoly on college football. The only college football you saw was the Saturday afternoon game, sometimes a doubleheader. And every once in a while, they'd have a Friday game, like the Friday after Thanksgiving. You had the annual Pitt versus Penn State game, Texas versus Texas A&M game, USC versus UCLA game. The people who were regularly, the teams that were regularly on college football on ABC back then were Pittsburgh because they had Hugh Green, Dan Marino. They had won the national championship a few years earlier with Tony Dorsett. Notre Dame because they're Notre Dame. USC because you had Charles White and Marcus Allen. Uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Those were the teams. And Texas. Those were the teams that were always on national television every week on ABC. So you didn't get to see a school back then, one of Ricky Jackson and Hugh Green's contemporaries, and you can go back to the last episode and I talked about it, Lawrence Taylor. No one talked about Lawrence Taylor. And I mentioned that last week's episode. You can go back and, and listen to that. So going into the 1981 draft, all the attention was centered around two players, George Rogers and Hugh Green. Ricky Jackson was was an afterthought, and Lawrence Taylor was an unknown. But George Young, 
the Giants GM, scouted LT, and already had him penciled in number two. George Rogers, of course, was the Saints' first-round pick, the number one pick in the draft. And because of dumbass general managers, Ricky Jackson fell to the Saints in the second round. I think Hugh Green was the sixth or seventh pick. His stock fell because people were realizing, wait a minute, we got to get this Lawrence Taylor guy. But, of course, the Giants got Lawrence Taylor. Jadi, I want to bring this question to you. What if the Saints, instead of drafting George Rogers, would have drafted with the first pick, Lawrence Taylor, and then in the second round, Ricky Jackson's still there picking up Ricky Jackson. Yeah, that's, you watch, that's... What do you think could have happened? First of all, my opinion, they win a Super Bowl years Ooh. before Drew Brees. Okay, that's the first Ooh. thing. But I want you to talk about that's that what if, that great what if they would have had Ricky on one side and LT on the other side, linebacker core. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Um, I don't think, and now both of them were Hall of Fame linebackers, right? Yes. Lawrence Taylor is probably the, their the first, best linebacker. They're, they're, I they're, they're, they were both, I believe they were both first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, no, R- Ricky Jackson wasn't first ballot. Um, what year did he go in? He went in like several years after he was eligible. I don't remember. I don't remember oh, when, that's but he was criminal. Because when he yeah, retired, yeah. he was second all time in sacks. That's criminal. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Six sacks in his career. Mm-hmm. But our, our problem wasn't our defense. Our problem was the offense. And Lawrence Taylor wasn't going to help with our offense. You know, like well, we, the Giants, we the Giants had a horrible offense in the, the Lawrence Taylor's rookie year, as I mentioned on last week's call, uh, podcast. He carried them to a playoff spot. They were yeah, horrible. They were horrible. No Phil as Sims good. was so Phil Sims was so bad. They benched him for Scott Bruner. He yeah, single handed So if you have LT, you have LT and Ricky on both sides on both sides on a on a three four defense, which they would have to play. You don't play right. four three if you got them to. Yeah, because the because the 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 Dole Patrol was a three four defense, right? We were a three four defense. Yeah, okay. we had we had the four linebackers. Yeah. Ricky Jackson, of course. Yeah. We had Vaughn Johnson and Sam Mills as our inside linebackers. Right. And on, on the opposite of Ricky Jackson, we had Pat Swilling. Which which, and, which I believe, I don't know if you feel this way, I believe Pat Swilling belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the maybe two or three defensive player of the years that's not in yet, that's eligible. He was a tremendous Satan and Lion. He was great. Pat, Loved Pat, Pat Swilling. Swilling was a great player. He was a an extraordinary pass rusher. Um, I... I tend to believe that we should limit the number of players that go to the Hall of Fame. Right. So right. for me, you have to be extraordinary. Like you have to be the greatest of the greatest of the greatest to get into the Hall of Fame. I, I understand and, that. But there are so guys on that position that are in that weren't as good as Pat Swilling. Right. And I would say they shouldn't be in. Okay. I, I don't okay. say add Pat okay. Swilling. I'll say All take right. them out. Okay. 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 <laughs> so. I am that, that that's very understandable. All right. So yeah. you don't think they could have won a Super Bowl with those I two? Mean, no, I think our offense was just just it was our offense was terrible. It, right. That's that's why, and, and we're gonna talk about this later when you ask me about my my favorite right. Saints, right. or my, the greatest Saints players. Martin Anderson was our primary offense. <laughs> like 
I remember um, the adults, like when, when, when I was growing up, the adults would always talk about how, you know, they would do office pools or it'd be like this pool or gambling or whatever. They'd always be trying to get multiples of three on the Saints games because wow. we knew Martin Anderson was going to kick, you know, five field goals. Or, you know, the offense just wasn't good enough. Well, you, you so know, even and, with Warren Taylor, I, NFC, I don't think, I don't think we NFC, won a Super Okay, well, the NFC in the 1980s was based around running and defense. The Bears, the Giants, of course, because they had LT, the Redskins. You, I mean, the Niners had that West Coast offense and the Redskins also, but the, the Niners were able to adapt in the cold weather because of Joe Montana, and they had great running backs too, Wendell Tyler, Roger Craig, et cetera, Ricky Waters later on. Um, mm -hmm. Offensively, they would have needed a big-time running back in – with that, that, that while they would have been great defensively that first year with LT and Ricky, if they had drafted both, mm -hmm. it would have took a while before they could develop. But you always get a running back. We, we um, we, yeah, but back in those days, back in yeah. those days, the running back was as important as the quarterback is today. So that's why. So when you say, you know they what, you got, you got, you make a good ahead. point there because Earl Campbell carried those Houston Oilers teams to right. two consecutive AFC championship games. That was all they had on offense. <laughs> right. That's how they played back then. You, yeah. you you built a stout offensive line and you got you a stellar running back. And that was your offense. And, and so that's why we had Lawrence Taylor and Ricky Jackson. Yeah. In hindsight, you can say that, but at the time, the premier position was the running back yeah. and George Rogers was the Heisman trophy winner. You know, he was best running back coming out of the draft. And so, back then, back then, the Heisman running back winner, the Heisman Trophy winner that was a running back, was 99 times out of 100 the number one pick. Tony Dorsett right. was the first pick that, for the that's, Cowboys. That's uh, O.J. Simpson. That's Marcus Allen. That's, Marcus Allen. Charles right, White. A, Charles Tony White went, went a little further down because Charles White wasn't as spectacular as those guys. But you, Billy Sims. You saw uh, Herschel Walker. You saw right. you, they, they were always – Herschel Walker couldn't be drafted, but the Cowboys were smart. They drafted him when he was eligible, held his rights, and then when the USFL folded, they signed him and brought him onto the team. So, yeah, back then, like today, they always the first pick's always a quarterback. It's You're right, Jody. Last, last 40 years ago, the first pick was always a running back. It is just in, 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 incredible that LT was taking number two. Defensive players weren't taking number two back then. Right, right. So they, they knew the Giants. George knew. Young. George Young was one of the greatest talent evaluators of all time. He knew. He knew what yeah. no one else knew. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, and, and in hindsight, that was a no-brainer, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but, but see, the New York media back then was criticizing George Young when they heard, when the rumors were that George Young was going to draft LT. Because like I mentioned earlier, Jody, no one ever saw LT on TV. You know, the only way you could have saw LT is if you went to the games in 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 um what are they playing in in North, North Carolina? Carolina. Uh, oh, uh, stadium? Oh, uh, no, no. What city is North Carolina? Not Raleigh. What's 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 UNC held? No, they're in Raleigh. Are, they're right. Okay, okay. So you had to go to Raleigh to see the fucking uh to see LT play. No one, no one. There was film on him, but you had to be an NFL scout or NFL team representative to see that film. George Young personally went to North Carolina because his scouts told him, you got to see Lawrence Taylor. And when he saw yeah. him, he was like, oh, my God. Watching the Pitt Panthers on TV with my father, my father was impressed with Ricky Jackson. He's like, yo, that, that, that kid is 
My, my father liked Hugh Green, but he was taken aback. He saw something in Ricky Jackson. And kudos to the Saints. They drafted him with that late second-round pick. And immediately, Jody, he made an immediate impact. Right. I think LT, he had eight sacks his rookie year. He was only second to LT's nine-and-a-half sacks. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show you off the top. And by, by the way, both LT and Ricky Jackson's rookie year in 1981, sacks weren't an official record yet. It, was, it, it, it wasn't considered a stat. It wasn't an official stat. Because of the New York Sack Exchange, Klecko and Gastineau and Lawrence Taylor, and now they, they're seeing this, this young phenom in New Orleans, Ricky Jackson, 1982 was the first year that the sacks were an official record. Ricky was the Ricky was the best player on those bad. Those were god awful Saints teams. Those I mean, terrible, they terrible. made some horrible trades. They traded for Earl Campbell, who might have been 26, 27, but he had the body of a 50 year old because he was abused by the Oilers. Right. Right. They traded for Richard Todd. What right. the hell? We had Richard Todd. We had Ken Stabler. When Ken, Ken Stabler, Stabler who, looked 70, <laughs> who looked 70. He had no business right. out there. He looked like a, he looked like he needed AARP, not the NFL. He was horrible. Right. They were horrible. Jim Mora yeah. takes over, and you could start off now with your fandom and talk about Jim Mora, the philosophy that he um, invoked there, and then the building of the team, because beginning in 1986, you saw a major improvement when they were able to get uh, Billy Ruben Mays and Dalton Hilliard. They finally got some good offensive weapons. And now the emergence of Ricky Jackson as one of the premier defensive players in the NFL. Yeah, so Jim Finks took over as the general manager. Mm-hmm. And Jim Finks is the one that built the, the Bears, the vaunted 85 Bears team. Uh, Jim Finks built that team. And he built, I think he built a Vikings team before that. That was that was stellar. So, so they're, came, following, they're following the same blueprint that the Giants did. They brought in George Young, who had built the Baltimore Colts team. Right. And so this Jim Fix, the perfect guy to build a team because he, like George Young, defense first. He builds the defense. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, and so so that's when I started, around the time that I started. Well, I started watching the Saints like seriously watching the Saints around maybe 1984, 1985, something like that. So right before Jim Mora came on. And uh, we were abysmal. Like was, like you said, was, we were Was awful. Bum Phillips the coach at that time? Bum Phillips was the coach, and Wade Phillips was our defensive coordinator. <laughs> so, and that guy's um, still getting – that guy's still getting work. still getting, getting work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so Jim Mora came in. Uh, Bum Phillips was out, and and he uh, so the defense under Wade Phillips it was already a good defense, right? But but we added so we were playing a three four, and Jim Moore kept the three four, but we got Sam Mills from the USFL because Jim Moore was a coach in the USFL, right? So right. Great players in the USFL that he knew could play in the yeah. NFL. He was the coach. He got the Bob Gates. Was he the coach of the stars? And who who did he coach in the USFL? If you remember, uh, I can't remember who. Because I know he I had know. great success in the USFL. That's how yeah. he got the Saints. He job. won a championship. He won yes. a championship with Bobby Abair as quarterback. As the quarterback, right, right, right. And so uh, he knew Bobby Abair could play. Brought him to the Saints. He knew Sam Mills could play. Sam Mills was an undersized middle linebacker. He was like five six or something like that. 
Small. Sam Mills, for all of you that never heard or seen him play, was, in my opinion, similar to an Allen Iverson, an undersized player who, pound for pound, might have been, might have had the greatest heart in NFL history. And it's sad that he died so young because the man was a phenomenal, phenomenal linebacker. To be five foot six and be an All Pro at linebacker, right? And he was the brains of the operation. Mm-hmm. So we got, so we had the Dome Patrol. We had the four linebackers. Sam Mills was the brains. He was the cerebral one. He knew all the plays. He knew where everybody was supposed to be. He knew what you were running. He was the but run stopper too. He was a run. He was a run stopper as well. Vaughn Johnson. He was the, he was our primary run stopper and heavy hitter. Pat Swilling was your speed off the edge, a dynamic pass rusher. And Ricky think, Jackson think, was like think, a combination hey, think, of all of them. Think, think Pat Swilling's like the father of a Von Miller. If you see Von Miller, similar to what Pat Swilling was. Right, right. Yeah, and so, and so Ricky Jackson was kind of a combination of all of them. He wasn't as fast as Pat Swilling, but, but he was probably the second fastest on the team. He wasn't as heavy a hitter as Vaughn Johnson, but he was probably second. He wasn't as cerebral as Sam Mills, but he was probably like second or third, you know. And he was the greatest of those four. Yeah, I, I would say he's. Uh, yeah, I would say he probably was. It's him or Sam Mills. And the reason why I say it's him or Sam Mills is one because Jim Morris said Sam Mills is the best player he ever coached. Right. And he right. coached Ricky Jackson as well. Yeah. So I, I, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta go with what what the coach says, you know. Gotcha. Um. And there's there's some other reasons. Like uh, I, I think Sam Mills never took a playoff where I saw Ricky Jackson taking some plays off. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, well, um, Sam, I don't think Sam could afford to take a, a nah, plays off. Didn't he call the plays on the field? Didn't he call the call, plays? Yeah, yes, yeah. he he was the one calling plays. He was the one that was calling out what the offense was doing. He was right. audible. He yeah, right. he was right. brains. Right. Yeah. So and, um, he, and, and he he would have been a head coach had he not died so young. I believe someone had. To give him an opportunity, the man was a brilliant football mind. Yeah, yeah, he had a high, high football IQ, high football IQ. Um, so yeah, and to, yeah, to make it at his size, he he had to have a high IQ. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I so I got in, I got into the Saints right as I mean, we were still sorry, we were still still terrible. You know, we had the bags on our heads, we were the ain'ts, and we took I we took pride in that. You know, there was like a, a <laughs> level of pride. And our ineptitude, you know, <laughs> so, but then all of a sudden we, we were starting to win, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like a weird feeling, you know, and I'm, 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 bec- I'm, I'm a Saints fan because everybody in New Orleans at this time is a Saints fan. Let me, yeah. let me tell, let me tell the listeners out there when I attended Loyola University in the fall of 86, at that point in time, I was a huge Lawrence Taylor fan. So I was rooting for the Giants, but I wasn't really a Giants fan. I was a Lawrence Taylor fan. But because Jody just made a great point, I was going to school in New Orleans and you have no choice but to get caught up in that Saints hysteria. And the Saints are on every Sunday on TV if you can't go to the game. I went to two Saints games while I was college down there. But 86, I was seeing the beginning of this team. I was like, you got Jim Mora coaching and you got Reuben Mays, who was electric in 86. And running back out of Washington State. Finally got to see Ricky Jackson, who I hadn't seen since his senior year in college, because the Saints rarely played the Giants 
because back then Roselle had instituted that great uh, scheduling, which kept parity, where number one, uh, you play, if you're a first seed, if you won your division, you play the other division winners. And, and, and so the Saints were always last, so they always right. play. But <laughs> it, it didn't matter. Cause they were, they were but 86 was the first year. What was their record in 86? Do you remember? In 86, I think we were. Was it 6 I and 10 or 7 and 9? I think we were 7 and 9. Okay, and yeah, and, and you saw a huge improvement. And, and Mora, you know, brought, brought a fire that you hadn't seen from the Saints probably since uh, the Archie Manning, Tony Galbraith, right. James Jefferson days. <laughs> and uh, Danny Abramowitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When they were all offense and no defense. <laughs> Yeah, and that and that's and that's crazy. That tells you how bad we were as a team. We got to seven and nine, and the city was super excited. We we're like, oh, we won seven games. <laughs> but they, but they all, but you also saw them on the come up. And then talk about that magical nineteen eighty seven season when you had the strike and John Fourcade, and they went on an incredible winning streak. Right, and we ended up winning. I think I think there were only twelve games that year, and we won ten. I think we won ten. We were ten and two that year. Yo, you went twelve and three altogether. You accounted the strike games. Twelve and three. The the Niners won the division at thirteen and two, and you guys finished twelve and three. Okay, yeah, yeah. But because yeah. I went to I went to the game that decided the division, um, the Saints versus the Niners, and that was a god awful game. The Niners won, and that was doing that was late October, and so at the end of the season, that wound up being the deciding factor, and then the Saints. In the opening round, they were a huge favorite against the Vikings, and they didn't show up. We got destroyed, and I oh. remember crying at that game, crying watching that game because that was the first time we made the playoffs. And, and y'all were and, the fa- y'all were huge favorites. Yeah, y'all we, were we huge got beat like forty-four to seven or something like that. that, was, <laughs> it, was, that it was embarrassing. That was, and it was the first of many times the Vikings would uh, end the same season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to bring up hurtful things. All right. I know. Hey, I went through it just like you, man. I, I shared, I shared the pain. I shared the pain. Yeah, yeah. And then so, in yeah, 19, that, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. So, so that was our first time going to the play. And I remember we had a song. Were you in New Orleans when they had that song? Go Saints all the way. They Saints used to, they used the to play that all the time on Q. What was the station? Q ninety three. Q93 used to play that every morning on their morning show. They had that uh that crazy morning with Mr. Leonard and all that guy. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was the thing. And 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 because it was like the play, we had a whole song, like the Bears had the Super Bowl shuffle. They were right. going to the Super Bowl. Right. We were just getting to the playoffs and we were like doing songs and you know, whatever, whatever. We were just so happy to be there. Um, the the, the best experience for a fan, Jody, is when you See that team on the come up. I, I, I'm a lifelong Met fan, and in '84 was their first winning season in eight years. And you had Daryl Strawberry's second year, Dwight Gooden's incredible rookie year, and you you see the team coming together, which culminated in the, in the championship in 1986. I got that similar feeling watching the '87 Saints. I was like, this, this team's gonna win it one year. They, they've got the formula. They got the great defense. They got a great running game. At one point, the Saints had three number one running backs in Haywood, Mays, and, and Hilliard. They had a tremendous really? running game. Eric Martin was a phenomenal receiver. He doesn't get the credit uh, he deserves. Eric 
Martin. Eric Martin was my favorite player off that team. I Eric Martin was tremendous, tremendous. And Bobby Bear, while not a great quarterback, he was a good game manager because he yep. knew, you know, they're a run team for they're a run first team, and he had enough speed to sometimes uh, do the quarterback uh, option and gain a couple yards for a first down. But he managed the team well. I mean. When they went away with him a few years later with Steve Walsh, and then they had to go back to Bobby Abel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Bobby Abel, I think he sat out the nineteen ninety season. We had yeah, Steve. that's when they went and got Steve Walsh. Now, nineteen eighty eight, Jadi's going to tell you, I believe, nineteen eighty eight was the most disappointing season up until that point in Saints history. Talk about the eighty eight season, Jadi. Wait, remind me of that. Remind me of that. My memory is not okay. a steel okay. trap. All right. I talked about this last week on the Lawrence Taylor show, so it's fresh in my memory because it was the second game. I went to two Saints games, and they lost both games, unfortunately. The, in 87, when they lost to the Niners, and the Thanksgiving, the Sunday after Thanksgiving against the Giants in the Superdome, the Saints were going into that uh, game 9-3, and three, and in first place in the NFC West. All they had to do, Jadi, was win two of their last four games to oh, win the division and get a home game. We, like five games out of like seven or something like that. They were nine and three. They won they, they wound up losing four of their last five games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean I do remember that. I do so remember. So in this game. I went to this. Uh, I went to this game. It was a Sunday night Superdome. Lawrence Taylor had dislocated his shoulder the week before. He was, it, it was he was considered questionable. And back then, if you were questionable, ninety nine times a hundred, you didn't play. Today, if you're breathing, they throw you out there. Okay, so <laughs> I'm thinking, well, if LT doesn't play, and 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 Sims is hurt, Sims is not playing. And LT looks like he's not going to play. Oh, the Saints are going to win this game, possibly clinch a playoff spot, and then they only need one more game to win to get the division. Horrible, horrible game by the Saints. Lawrence Taylor with one arm, Jody, put on the greatest performance I've seen of any athlete in my lifetime live in a stadium. With one shoulder, three sacks, and twice he had Bobby Abair cough the ball up. Okay. Morton Anderson missed a 29-yard chip shot. Wow. That was the difference in the game. The Giants won 13 to 12. And L you you see LT on the sideline. He's got his jersey off. He's got his arm in a harness. And he's howling in pain. And I don't know how he overcame that pain dislocated shoulder to have an incredible three sacks with one shoulder. LT with one shoulder. So imagine if he had two shoulders. Right? Yeah, and yeah, man was great. Pat Swilling had a phenomenal game that night too, John. He had three sacks. But okay. it, was, it wasn't enough. They, enough. Uh, Hostetler got, 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 got taken out the game because he was sticking up the joint. And he brought in Jeff Rutledge, who was equally as horrible. But the Saints could not penetrate. They couldn't stop LT. And they lost 13 to 12. And the difference was earlier in the game, Morton Anderson missed a chip shot. So now they're nine and four. And then going into the last game of the season, they were nine and six 
They won. They had lost three games in a row. They win the last game of the season, but too little, too late. The the Niners finished ten and six, and the yeah, Niners we lost. Get, we lost to the Niners the the second to last game. I think right, and that was the deciding game. That game. was the tiebreaker because yeah. both the Niners and the Saints finished with a ten and six record. The right, Niners right. got the division and wound up winning it all. That was the year the Saints could have won it all. Because that well. Saints team could have beaten the Bengals. <laughs> we didn't have the offense, man. We and I've had this discussion with many a Saints fan, like all my cousins. But, um, my memory, my memory's a, a, a little lacking. How good was Dalton Hilliard that year? I mean, what was their running game looking like? So our running game was good. We had a right. good running game, but it but it wasn't enough. And it was like we would move the ball from like say our twenty to, to, the, to maybe the fifty, and then from there <laughs> we, we couldn't do anything. And that's how that's how we ended up with Martin Anderson kicking so many field goals. Yeah, like yeah. our offense seemed to be great between our twenty and our fifty. And then just some, somewhere along the way, we just we just broke down. Bobby Abel couldn't connect with, with, with Eric Martin, couldn't connect with receivers. John Tice was our tight end. I remember that dude. John um, Tice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the running backs, all of a sudden, our offensive line all of a sudden couldn't block anymore. You know, I don't know. I don't know what, what happened, but our offense just wasn't good enough to get us to the Super Bowl. And, and this was the era of the 49ers dynasty. This was the era where the Giants were, you know, they won two Super Bowls. The, the 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 Washington team won, you know what I mean? It was there was there was too much in the NFC for us but to overcome. But in the in the nineteen the nineteen eighty eight season the nineteen eighty eight season though, uh, the Niners did not look great at all in the regular season. I mean they 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 barely won the division with that tiebreaker. and they were ten and six, and then they took it up a notch in the playoffs. The Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there there were a lot of tough teams in the NFC. And I, I I just don't think our offense had enough. Bobby Abel was not a Super Bowl quarterback, and our, our offense was too conservative. We were we were doing like how they say the Big Ten is like you know uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like that was us. <laughs> that was and you know, <laughs> and you know what? Uh, Moore had no choice but to but to play it that way. Abel was not the type of quarterback that could air it out with the receivers he had. He was not. He was not. And besides and then, Eric Martin, he didn't really yep. have he didn't mm-hmm. have great. Uh, receivers, so and they, and they doubled yeah. Eric a lot. Uh, the game I went to, the 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 Giants were doubling Eric Martin. The whole thing, Abair couldn't get the ball. To Eric Martin, he was doubled on every play that game. I was like, wow. Right. The Parcells was, and Belichick I, were a great duo with defensively. They knew. Yeah, they take they away always, your strength. They take they away. They always with, took away yeah. your strength. Right, 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 right. And they knew Eric Martin, and they also they also. They double team Eric Martin and they clogged up the line, knowing that you know Hilliard, Hilliard Mays was going to try to run. <laughs> right. So, so that and that's why I say there was no way we were winning the Super Bowl because if you can't overcome that, I mean that's what everybody's going to do. If you can't overcome that, then you have no business winning the Super Bowl, and we didn't. You know. So and then in '89, same thing happened. They lost a bunch of games down the stretch, and they finished nine and seven. And once again, it was the offense offensive deficiencies. Right. It's it's funny how at eighty eight they were ten and six, eighty nine they were nine and seven, and then make the playoffs in ninety with an eight and eight record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the breaks. That's how it goes sometimes. You know, they were, um, they, were they were in every game. It wasn't like they other than that game against the Vikings where they got blown out. They were in every game. The game, the the, the two games I went to, they, the defense put them in position to win. They just didn't have enough to put them over the top offensively. Yeah. And of the offense, we had Martin Anderson's leg, and that was it. And this dude was like 50 orders on the regular, 
And this was like when 50 yarders was the equivalent of a 60 yarder today. Of he was all, kicking like of 50, all, he, 55, 54 yarders. You know? The two greatest kickers I've ever seen in my 45 years watching football is more Anderson and Janikowski. Them guys, just, just tremendous. Automatic. I, they automatic. Automatic. Uh, Sebastian, what's his last name? Sebastian. Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, he had the greatest one. leg I've ever seen, but he oh, was yeah, too inconsistent. Morton and Janikowski, you needed a field goal. They were automatic. Then again, I thought Gary Anderson was automatic, and then he blew that game for the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a good. couple of games that Ricky Jackson had four sacks. You have yeah, any? You have you have any memories of those games? I remember the Detroit game. Go ahead, talk because about that game. Yeah. What I remember is we we blitzed and we sent um, Ricky Jackson and Pat Swelling on the outside and we sent Vaughn Johnson on the inside. Wow! And I remember I remember Vaughn Johnson hit the Detroit quarterback so hard he was on the ground like writhing, rolling around, and he 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 got up. He tried to gut it out. He got up and walked for like two seconds and took a knee. <laughs> That's what I remember most about that game is Vaughn Johnson destroyed the Detroit quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Rick, Ricky Jackson had four sacks that game, and um, like he, he was he was just a monster. He, he couldn't be he couldn't be blocked. He, that game he couldn't be blocked. And, and what's interesting about Ricky Jackson is that he had 136 sacks in his career. It seemed like half the time he was in coverage. Like we played a lot of zone. So we dropped. Yes, you're right. Back. You're right. He we would drop back in coverage. Right. Back in coverage a lot. And the only one that was consistently rushing the passer was Pat Swilling because we played a, a three-four, but we constantly rushed four. So we so had three you, linemen and Pat Swilling rushing the quarterback, and everybody else would, would drop back in coverage. So would you but, say Ricky Jackson got more coverage sacks than rushing the quarterback sacks? The, well, that that's the funny thing is because he would be in coverage. He he would be dropping back. Oh, he'd be one of the guys in cut right, right. He'd be right. one of the he'd be one of the guys dropping back. Like a lot of times, he he would drop back and take out take away the out and and the the flat the, the running back coming out the flat, you know. So but so it's amazing that he also had 136 sacks when most of the time he wasn't even rushing the pass. So you know, the, the dude was incredible. The, the dude was a great player. He, he, I'm he looking. Really I'm looking at Ricky Jackson's first six years in the league, and they're as great as anybody's. His rookie year. No wonder he finished second in the defensive rookie of the year ballot in the LT. He had 125 tackles and eight sacks. His rookie year. His rookie year. Oh. Wow. His rookie yeah. year. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. incredible. And that was the most tackles he had in his entire career. I'm not yeah. going to talk about the second year because that was a strike year. Only nine games played. I throw that out the window. In only nine games, he had four and a half sacks. Nine games. Mm. That's just nine games. Now, his third year, 102 tackles, 12 sacks. Now you see the consistency. Fourth year. Then he had 12 sacks next year, right? Yep. 124 tackles, 12 sacks. 85, 107 tackles, 11 sacks. You see consistency. And throughout, and then 91, 92, and 93, 11 and a half, 13 and a half, 11 and a half. Before he Jim left, Moore, and went to, Jim, and when, when Jim Moore took over and uh, Carl Smith was our defensive coordinator, they kept dropping Ricky Williams back in coverage. And then they decided in the, in the 90s to, to do that less, to blitz more. 
So he start his his sack totals hey, go back up. Jadi, you what you said is on the money because from '86 to '90, this is the Jim Mora era, right? Uh-huh. Nine nine sacks, nine and a half sacks, seven sacks, seven and a half, and six sacks. His numbers right. suffered because of him going into coverage, and he right. doesn't have right. as many tackles because other than nine. 86, and you know, he only made the Pro Bowl during that era in 86. 87 through 90, he did not make a, not through 91, he didn't make a single All-Pro or Pro Bowl team. Yeah, they, they, they clearly were using him wrong. Like, why would you put a great yeah. pass rusher right. in coverage and just and keep him there? Like, that, that didn't make any sense. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. They, 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 they kind they, of squandered they, the they, middle they, of his so, career. <laughs> In the middle of his career, his numbers are nowhere near the beginning and the end. Yeah, yeah. And which and he would have retired as the all-time leading sack leader had that had that been the case. Ninety-one through uh, uh, ninety, they go eight and eight, and they get beaten the first in the wild card game, first game. Talk about Ricky from ninety-one to ninety-three. Like you just mentioned, it was a resurg a resurgence of his career. He became a once again he became a prime time pass rusher, and what year was it? Was the 92 Saints that had maybe the greatest linebacking core in the history of the sport at, in one season? Oh, it was, it was more than that. But are you talking about when all of them went to the Pro Bowl? Yes, yes. Like yes. all four of them went to the Pro that Bowl. That was 92, one, right? I believe that was 92, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, at that time, the, the league had started to recognize the greatness because we have always been overlooked. You know what I mean? We have that right. redheaded stepchild syndrome. Right. In New Orleans, you know, especially back then, nobody gave us respect at all. So to have all four of them go, like it was, it was well over. It was, it was overdue. It was overdue. And I believe know? that's also the year Pat Swilling was Defensive Player of the Year. In, I think uh, so. Ninety-two. He had like fourteen sacks or thirteen sacks that year, or something like that. Well, uh, Ricky had thirteen and a half, and it says here he finished second to Swilling. But okay. it doesn't tell me what Swilling had. I think he probably. I think I think he had fourteen sacks, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Pat Swilling, Pat Swilling, because they started blitzing more. So so when you were saying having LT on one side and Ricky Jackson on on the other side, mm-hmm. not that Pat Swilling is Ricky Jackson. I mean, not that Pat Swilling is Lawrence Taylor. I'm not saying that, but we kind of had that. You know what but I mean? you kind of had that. Hey, Pat Swilling, while he's not Lawrence Taylor. He's on that next level down. Right. I mean, if you can't have Lawrence Taylor, but you have Pat Swillen, that's not a bad substitute. You're doing fine. You're doing okay. (laughs) Especially if you got Ricky Jackson on the other side. Right. (laughs) So we so we started we started blitzing a whole lot more, and you send in Pat Swillen, you send in Ricky Jackson, you send in Bourne Johnson, you send in Sam Mills, you know, in some combination of those two or three players, it's a lot for an offensive line to deal with. You know, okay, so you in, in 1992, in 1992, the defensive player of the year in 1992, oh, my bad, 1992 was Cortez Kennedy, so Pat Swillen had to be earlier than that. Look at this murderous role of the top five in 1992. Cortez Kennedy, Junior Seau, Wilbur Marshall, Clyde Simmons, and Ricky Jackson. Ricky White finished 12th that year. 
Oh, it's Bruce Reggie. Smith finished seventh. Wow. Reggie White. Reggie White was a monster. Ricky that, Jackson's 1992 uh, was special because he 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 garnered more votes than Bruce Smith and Reggie White and Charles Haley, who all had spectacular years that year. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was his that, and a half yeah. sack season. That was his 13 and a half sack season. Yes. Yeah, I think that was the highest total we had in his career, right? And let me look at when did Pat Swillen had defensive play? Oh, it was 91. You're right. In 91, Pat Swillen had 17 sacks. Oh, it was 17. Okay, I thought it was 14. Yeah, 17, uh, 17 right. and 91. And that was a great year because Seth Joyner and Reggie White were two and three. Derek Thomas was fifth. Sam Mills finished ninth. So they had two yeah. of the top ten in, in 91. So, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, Bringing yeah. me back with all of these names. Derek Thomas. <laughs> Derek Red Thomas. White. Derek Thomas was the closest thing Jody ever saw to Lawrence Taylor. And yes. his career ended too, too short, and he died way too young. Derek yeah. Thomas. They don't talk about Derek Thomas. Oh, my you God. Wanna, you talk about Aaron, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. Derek Thomas was on that level. Right. He he could not be guarded. Like Lawrence Taylor could not be guarded, could not be blocked. He mm-hmm. could not be blocked. It, he, the, 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 he was ridiculous. He was ridiculous. Oh, another name on here who died too young. Jerome Brown finished eighth. Oh, yeah. And like three of them dudes are on the Eagles defensive line. <laughs> yeah, you got Jerome, Seth Joyner, Seth Joyner Reggie White, White, and Jerome Brown. Look, look, you got two Saints, Swilling and Mills. Oh, Clyde Simmons. You got four Eagles. In the top yeah. ten voting, wow! Yeah, that's, and, um, that, de- that defense was good. I remember, I remember in that time period, there was like a, a, a front line, I don't know, a rivalry with the Eagles in terms of who had the best defense. And yeah. they used to always beat us. They used to just barely beat us all the time. They used to piss me off because I well, felt like our defense was better. Well, but they had, we never. They, so, they had Randall Cunningham. They had that. Yeah, X- that's why they beat y'all. That's why they beat yeah. us. <laughs> They had so, Randall. Randall could win a game offensively without much help with that defense. But their coaching never liked their head coach. He was overrated. Great Buddy Ryan was a great defensive coordinator. He was a horrible head coach. He yeah. had all that talent and couldn't win any playoff games. He was just horrible. horrible. Well, they beat us. All right, they beat us in the playoffs. We yeah, awesome. that was that was 90, 1990. The year they won eight eight, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know the season in nineteen ninety. Of all the playoff teams back then, that was probably their worst team because Steve Walsh. They traded the number one draft choice for him, right? They traded a, a, a first-round pick for uh, Steve Walsh? From the Cowboys. Cowboys, Cowboys. fleeced Cowboys yeah, fleeced yeah. the Vikings and the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Jimmy Johnson, man. He knew what yeah. he was doing. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because Jimmy Johnson was in charge of player personnel. Oh, yeah, Even though Jerry... Even though from like one lost team to a Super Bowl in like two even years, though, even though Jerry, that's the reason why Jerry Jones got rid of him because Jerry Jones wanted to have since he was Deshaun, he, he wanted and he wanted and he wanted to have total control. He couldn't have that with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was the brains behind that team. Yes, I mean he fleeced the Vikings. Why the hell would the Vikings trade all those draft choices for Herschel Walker, who was 29, 30 years old at the time? Come on. Facts, man. Running backs with a premier position back then. Oh man, and they used that to draft Emmitt Smith. Uh, yep. whole, and uh, awesome. un, 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 unreal. They built that whole team off the Saints and the Vikings. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and Walsh did the last too long in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, 
the, yeah, the, the, uh, the Cowboys knew he was garbage. <laughs> they knew. Well, Jimmy Johnson was his college coach. He knew he would know better than anybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he went to the University of Miami. Yep. <laughs> so, 91 to 93, Ricky Jackson having a resurgence. He was great those three years. The Saints kept falling short. What was your reaction when Ricky went to the Niners? Were you disappointed? Were you know you... What? what? I was I was actually happy for him. Okay. I, I was actually happy for him because I I saw and not just Ricky Williams, you know, definitely Ricky Williams, I was happy for him. But I saw you mean Ricky effort. Jackson. You mean I do the same thing. I always say I, Ricky you mean Ricky Jackson. Different, that's a different thing that we don't want to talk about <laughs> on the greatest players. Okay, gotcha. Got you. <laughs> um, R- Ricky Jackson, you know him and and, and the whole uh, Dome Patrol. Like I, I saw what they were the effort, they were carrying us. They were literally yes. carried us to the playoffs three times, four times, and 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 so I wanted to see one of them get some reward for it. So I was happy to see him go to the 49ers and he won a, he won a Super Bowl. He wasn't going to do it in New Orleans, so I was happy to see him get it. And, but he 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 considers himself a saint. You know, he went into the Hall of Fame as a saint. So, well, I mean, he he had no choice. I mean, if he went in as a 49er, that he would be heavily criticized. He's a saint. He's yeah, a he's saint. He only played two years yeah. with the Niners. Yeah, he got a Super Bowl with the Niners. But first of all, they didn't need Ricky Jackson in the Super Bowl, right? Nah, they, they didn't. They, they, they had they, Hall of Famers at damn near every position. Charles Haley, uh, Deion Sanders, Ronnie Lott, Ronnie Young. Steve Young, you had uh, uh, Jerry Rice. That team was loaded with superstars. Uh, Romanowski, yeah. you had all these great players on that one team. So they, yeah. um, but uh, I give them credit for picking up Ricky Jackson. And Ricky Jackson's last year in San Francisco, his last year of his career, he had an excellent career for a 35, 36-year-old player. Yeah, he, he's a good player. And I didn't watch him as much with the 49ers because Fuck them. You know what I mean? Hey, his <laughs> final year, his final year, 1995, he retires after the season's over. At the age of 36, he had nine and a half sacks. Yeah, yeah. One of the great one of the greatest final seasons of a pass rusher. Because LT, his final year in 93, while it was solid, you you saw he was broken down. Ricky Jackson outlasted LT. His contemporary, the greater ball player, by two years and had a better end of his career than LT had. Remember, LT had a torn Achilles in '92 and had a solid '93, but not a great night. It wasn't LT standard. While Ricky Jackson, his final year, nine and a half sacks for a very good 49ers team that got upset in the playoffs by the Packers. Yeah, yeah. No, he he was a great player, and that's what great players do, you know. Uh, and 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 they what they say the best ability is availability. Yeah. I remember him never missing a game. That was one of the things I remember about Ricky Jackson. He never missed a game, and honestly, it looked like he never came out of a game. You know, it looked like he played all the snaps for every game as a saint. So I'm yeah. I'm looking I'm looking at his uh the only games he missed were the strike games because he was on the picket line. Uh-huh. In '89, he missed two games. Okay. So his entire career, he missed five games in 15 seasons. That's fucking right. unreal. That's that, unreal. 
That's what I remember about him. He never well, was a physical hurt. ball play. He's a physical. There's a physical ball play. He's getting double teamed a lot, right? He yeah, missed yeah. two games. I mean, he missed five. I'm not even gonna count those three games. That's those. That was strike. He missed two games in 15 years. Right. Because I'm not yeah. counting those three games. That was a strike. And Lawrence Taylor didn't play. A lot of players didn't play in those three games. He's he was on strike. So in 15 seasons, he missed two games. Had the 136 sacks. He retired. Second all time to LT with sacks. Um, the man, I'm I, I'm with you, Jody. I was happy that he got that Super Bowl championship because the other brothers didn't get that championship. Vaughn nah, Jones, they didn't get that. Mills, and, let, and let me tell you how magnanimous I'm being with that. I hated the 49ers. I right. hated them. Well, that that was our rivals. That was our rival, and they were the ones who, like, I remember this one game. I was at this game. Jerry Rice. Caught this slant, and you know how Jerry Rice does. He catches the slant, and he's gone, right? Right, right. He fumbles the ball at the three-yard line. It goes out the back of the end zone. We should have the ball. 20-yard line. You're, you should have the ball to 20. They yeah. the touchdown. I, I oh. cannot believe it. They gave him the touchdown. And, they, you know, they didn't have replay or whatever. So, oh, my God. They used to do that to us all the time. I remember one year. I don't remember what year this was. But I remember I was, I think I was listening to this game on the radio and we were up by a touchdown with, or we were up six with like a minute to go or something like that. And all we had to do was hold on and beat the 49ers, the vaunted 49ers. And they, they ended up scoring on us with like three seconds left. Was and that thought, Montana or Young, if you remember? Was that Montana? It was Montana. Montana. Yes. And I he think did that to, he did that to, he did that to us all the time. He did that to everybody. Fucking Joe yeah. Montana. <laughs> my, you know, I, my eyes, my eyes began to water. <laughs> it was like, it was and you know, it's funny when when Pat Swilling and 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 uh, Ricky Jackson left the Saints. That began an era where the Saints were horrible for a very long time. Again, it was back to the seventies. It was yeah, back we to the really early eighties, and we it was really not. Bad. And it wasn't until. The great Sean Payton, who belongs in the Hall of Fame, you know you could you could vote a, co- a current coach into the Hall of Fame. They shouldn't have to wait until he retires. They need to put him in the Hall of Fame yesterday. Greatest Saint I coach thought, of all time. I thought you were, I thought you were gonna bring up the Jim Haslett years because at the oh, beginning of those years we were good. Yeah, we had, yeah, but you it wasn't a complete team like the like the Saint teams when when um uh uh uh. uh when Peyton came in, but you're right. Uh, but Ditka set them back with all those draft picks. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was ridiculous. For Ricky Williams, you, you're gonna trade your entire draft for one player. I mean, I guess that's what the Vikings did to get Herschel Walker. <laughs> so, and the same results. <laughs> right, didn't work out. Didn't work out. So, and you know, yeah. Herschel only lasted uh, a year and a half in Minnesota before he went to Philadelphia. <laughs> Yeah. He was he was pretty broken down by then anyway. At least, at least we traded for a guy coming out of college. Coming out of college. <laughs> who wound up having his best years in Miami after right. he was a bust in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still have his jersey, by the way. <laughs> oh, you do? Because <laughs> when, they, when they drafted him, I went and got it. And I was yeah. like, uh, and it was like, uh. but I knew, I knew it was a bad omen. Because you don't draft, you don't sell the farm to get one player. No. Yeah, I thought it was a mistake to do, but I felt like, well, Mike Dicker, in the, he won a Super Bowl with the Bears. I mean, he must know what he's doing. You know, <laughs> you know what, Mike Dicker? You know who's today's Mike Dicker? 
Urban Ooh. Meyer. The game had passed Mike Dick a, a, a long time ago. You don't bring old coaches that haven't coached in forever unless his name is Dick Vermeil. It doesn't work. Urban Meyer has no business coaching right now, and Mike Dick had no – the game had passed him by. Uh, he thought he was getting Walter Payton. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what he thought. He built – I give him yeah. credit. He built a good offensive line. We right. had a really yeah. good offensive line. Well, you had to because you, you you were basing the whole team around Ricky. Running, yeah, running the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so so that's why I was like, all right, well, he you know, it was Mike Dicker. He knows what he's doing. I mean, I think it's stupid, but, hey, what do I know, you know? <laughs> and the Saints were going through quarterbacks that, you know, Aaron Brooks, Jim Everett, it just it, – you it didn't click until they got Drew. Right, exactly. Yeah. Man. I, and it's I, funny. I, Ricky Williams' replacement, Deuce, Deuce McAllister, you can make an argument he's the greatest running back in Saints history. And he, he wasn't – he wasn't even looked at. Ricky had all, all this shine and all the glamour coming out of college and it wound up being Deuce that was the dude. Yep. And another dude who was completely overlooked went undrafted, Pierre Thomas. Love Pierre, Pierre Thomas. Thomas. Love Pierre Thomas. Hell of a running back, the best screen back I have and, ever seen. The way that he set up his blocks on screens, I have never seen anything like it. The Sean Payton. Sean Payton loved loved Pierre Thomas, and you know who was you know who was another bust for the for the Saints, Reggie Bush. Oh, yeah, you know he what? He did nothing for the Saints. I did not. I did not like Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was just as likely to lose ten yards as he was to gain eighty. You know what I mean? Like that's he was boom or bust like that. He was either going to get you eighty or he did nothing or for the lose. Saints. He did nothing. He did nothing. He was like, why are you giving him the ball? Why are you giving? You know, in the, during the Saints Super Bowl parade, when his float passed by, I booed him. <laughs> I was like, boom, Reggie Bush, boom. He. He was the uh, recipient of being on a great team because he yep. he did nothing to earn that ring. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. He, he was too up and down for me. Man. He was way too. Hey, I remember he broke his he broke his didn't he break his uh, tibula and his fibula at one point, and I was like, this guy here, yeah. uh, Reggie Bush. Yeah. I, remember, a, I remember watching some videos of him training in the offseason where he was on a treadmill running backwards while catching these like giant jacks and he had to catch them by color and all of that and like i was like oh crap he's doing some high level training and then he came back into the exact same crap that he always did <laughs> uh, he he never amounted to the hype and uh, no. one of the few usc running backs that did because usc that's been a running back since i was a kid yeah, you Ricky Bell, and then you had Marcus Allen, Charles White, all the way back to O.J. Simpson and Mike Garrett. So USC right. and Reggie Bush comes out, and uh, he's more known for his affairs than than his NFL career. <laughs> <laughs> Tailback, you. That's what it's called. Tailback. Well, one thing, one thing I don't agree with was them taking away his Heisman Trophy. That was bullshit. Because that's ridiculous. And that how, you, how can you void a championship season at all? You, you you void a championship season, you take away a Heisman. Like, how does that even make sense? The that dude did what the dude did. I mean, look, it did. It, I, it, I, how I many Heisman game. Trophy winners have gotten paid under the table? Come on. Probably the vast majority. All right? of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> hey, 
I, I, like you can't take away that game against Fresno State that he had where he had like some 300, almost 400. Oh, gee, that, 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 that was ridiculous. That yeah. was a ridiculous game. Like you can't take that away. So I mean, what does it matter that they say, "Oh, he didn't win the Heisman"? That that's out. ridiculous because he was the best. He was the best college football player on the planet that year, and he really was. No arguments. He's one of the top ten greatest college football running backs I've ever seen. Yeah, and I, I... hello. Well, whoever goes back to USC, get your checkbook ready. Whoever's coaching USC next, because they're going to need a checkbook because they've been pretty bad. Yeah. I don't understand how a team can't be good in California, Texas, or Florida. Like, it makes no sense that Miami isn't good. It makes no sense that USC isn't good. It makes no Miami sense. Miami hasn't been good for years, though. Jody, what make- happened? They were such a powerhouse. What happened with right. Miami? Right. Who? I don't know. How do you let. I don't know. They must be letting other teams come and take their players. Like, that's the only thing that because Florida produces the best talent. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you if you're the you, how do you not get enough talent to to be at least relevant? It, it just doesn't make weren't sense. they given the, weren't they given the death penalty at one time? No, nah, no, nah, because they don't even they don't even really do the death penalty anymore. Like they, okay. after what they did to SMU, where they just destroyed okay, that. All right, because. Even do that oh, maybe it was that they barred Uncle Luke from from um uh, going out. And... They did. I remember uh, what was her name, Donna Shalali, the the, the university president or whatever. She, she wanted to cut ties with the old Canes, and uh, it, it kind of severed that um that culture. You know, Uncle Luke was a huge recruiter for the U. I mean, and he was. You talking about people getting money under the table? He was one of the people giving that money under the table. And he was giving women and marijuana out to the re, to the recruits as well. What you need? I got you. All right. So before we end this episode on the legendary Ricky Jackson, I'm gonna ask Jody what I ask everybody is to name. His five greatest saints of all time, starting with five, going to one. Go ahead, big man. All right, well, I'm going to start with some honorable mentions. Dude, Go ahead. Who, Go ahead. Go ahead. I think, you know, could be on this list, but just don't make the cut. Eric Martin, the mm-hmm. receiver from the 80s. Leroy Glover. The oh, Leroy Glover. I love Leroy yes. Glover. From the Jim Haslett years. That dude was a monster. Jari Evans. the yes. The on our, our Super Bowl team, um, and Pierre Thomas, who I, I talked about earlier. Those are my honorable mentions. All right, five, Martin Anderson. And the reason why I say Martin Anderson is because offensively, he was all we had. <laughs> he was the one. And, he, I mean, and he's, one, he's one of the few Saints in the Hall of Fame. He is, yes. Yeah. Him and Ricky Jackson. And then, it's, of course, it's going to be Drew Brees. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I go five. Uh, Martin Anderson, four, Ricky Jackson, and I have him four because three I have Sam Mills. And <laughs> I knew if, it. I knew it. <laughs> if, if Jim Morrison Sam Mills was the best player he ever coached, I'm gonna believe him. Keep going. All right, number two, Willie Rofe, left tackle. Is it Willie in the Hall of Fame also? Uh, if he's not, he will be. Because I think I I I I I was thinking it's Willie, Ricky, and Morton. 
that are Saints Hall of Famers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And now, of course, Breeze is the first ballot. He'll be number four. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah well, Willie Rolfe was a mountain of a man. Like, he, he, whoever your best pass rusher was, he was uh, Willie Rolfe would, would block him one-on-one, and that guy was not getting a sack that day. Greatest offensive lineman I've ever seen as a New Orleans Saint. Right. Just, I he, agree. He, was, he was a beast. He was a beast, and they don't talk about him enough. Yeah, Willie Rofe, hands down, second best player. And, of course, the, the best player is Drew Brees. You're the quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team for the New Orleans Saints, and you – not even talking about the yards, not even talking about the touchdown records, not even talking about the completion percentage, all of that, that in and of itself would, would lend you to be the number one best Saint of all time. But you won a Super Bowl for us. Hey, you number one. And he resurrected a franchise at the right time. And Sean Payton came in after Katrina. Yep. The city was the. Ugh. Yeah, we, you, we, you, we, you were there. You know better than me what was going on back then. The yeah. city needed Payton and Breeze and the Saints at the time they came. Um, they made the NFC Championship game that first year, right, where they lost to the lost. Chicago Bears. Yep, to the Bears. I was in the Navy. I was in the Navy, and I was in a sports bar with a guy who was a Bears fan. And when Reggie Bush had that long run, and he he turned around and was pointing at the 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 DB, or maybe it was Erlacher. I don't know. He was pointing at uh, a Chicago defender who was running. I think after it was. Him. I think it was Erlacher. Yeah, Erlacher. Yeah, I started slapping the brim of the dude's hat. He was wearing a Bears hat. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Yeah! And then we ended up losing. I left early. I was and about you know, to cry. The Saints, were, you know, Saints were a better team than that Bears team. Bears had a great defense, but their quarterback was horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should have won that game. We definitely should have won that game. And you could have beaten the Colts. The Colts were a floor team. Oh my God, that was one of the worst Super Bowls in NFL history. Where the Colts were. Peyton Manning got a, a, a Super Bowl MVP, and he was horrible. But <laughs> the MVP should have gone to like the offensive line, really. But yes. <laughs> yeah. you can't. So. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't have a great. He didn't. He he, he had a subpar game, which he usually did in a big game. Peyton, as we saw when the Saints won their one Super Bowl, uh, Tracy Porter still running. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love Tracy Porter. Uh, love Tracy so, Porter. So real quick, five was Morton Anderson, four was Ricky Jackson, three was Sam Mills, two was Willie Wolf, Willie Wolf, and number one, the greatest Saint of all time, without a doubt. I don't think there is no argument that Drew Brees is the greatest saint of all time. At one time, I said it was Ricky Jackson, but Drew Brees passed him a long time ago. Brees, culturally, for what he did coming to the city, and Jody knows better than me the community service that Drew Brees has done throughout the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. It's, it's, it's been unbelievable, the cha- charitable donations he's done throughout the city of New Orleans. He, Drew Brees, which is saying a lot for a predominantly black city, has given so much to the community of New Orleans. I applaud him for that. I applaud him for that. And I will be bringing Jody back on two more times. Drew Brees and Ken Griffey Jr. when I do their career retrospectives because this man was a huge fan of Ken Griffey Jr. And he saw Brees' entire career in New Orleans. And how many games did you go to when Brees was playing? I think I only went to one. I don't really like going to games. Right, I prefer right. to watch them on TV. I, I like watching basketball in person, but I like watching okay. football on TV. Because I know uh, you went to a Regis Progress fight, and you've yeah. been to the New Orleans Pelicans games, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I go to Pelicans games a lot. I, I, I like going to basketball games in person. To me, it's better in person than on TV, where football, I think, is the reverse. Football, I think, is not a great product in person. I've been to two NFL games, never one in New York because you can't get a giant ticket, and I refuse to see the Jets. I've been to those two <laughs> Super Superdome games against the Niners in 87, against the Giants in 88, and you're right. In the Superdome, when you up in the upper deck, you might as well just stay home and watch it on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's that's generally what I tend to do. I, I, but I don't I don't miss games. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I, basketball I, is the perfect game to watch when you're in the second level beyond the floor seats. You see the whole yeah. court, and it's you see. You know, it's another yeah. great game to watch live is hockey. I've been to one hockey game, and I've been it's, to one hockey game. It's and and I didn't know until I saw that game that. They do line changes while the the the, the pucks in play. I'm like, wow. I'm like, oh right. shit. As a kid, I saw this. I was like, wow. Hockey's a great and but the best sport to see in a stadium where every seat's a good seat is baseball. It baseball is a beautiful game to watch. The higher up you are, the more you see. If you behind the plate, you you don't see when the every ball that's hit looks like it's going out. <laughs> But with baseball, and me and my friends are trying to go to every Major League Baseball stadium. So we do at least one a summer. Um, But what I don't like about baseball is hard to see. Center, center center field, really, to to get a good look at the balls and strikes. I don't see how managers who are like on a third base or first base line, how they're seeing strikes. They're inside they the dugout. I don't think they see. I think they, they're out there and they're just both, they, 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 they're out there to protect their catcher or their batter. You're looking behind the catcher. You can't, you can't tell. No way. You can't tell. So I don't know. So that's the only thing I don't like about um, live baseball games. But yeah, I like being at, I like being at baseball games. I like being in MLB stadiums. Oh, shout out Camden Yard. Camden Yard, the best baseball stadium I've been to. Everybody who's been there has told me the same thing. Oh, my God. It's criminal that that beautiful of a park has a god awful team for for most of the last 30 something years. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, Before before we uh, sign off, how many stadiums have you been to so far? Uh, Let me see. I want to say 10. I want to say 10. All right. Um, and and do you believe, do you, think, do you think New Orleans could support a Major League Baseball team if they ever tried to get a franchise? No, no, no. I don't think so. Okay, I, I agree with you. Because when, when I went down, when I was in the, eight, in, in the late 80s, when I was going to Loyola, I would, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Wolf Den, which was the rec center where they, had the bar and they had the the, the the TV. I would ask uh the guy behind the, uh, the the guy running the place if he could change it to the to the Met game on WOR, which was you know a superstation. And he was like, "You watch baseball? We don't watch baseball yes, down there. Yes, what's that? <laughs> yes, what is that? But yeah, you guys we, have had you guys have had minor league teams. We had the Pelicans. We had a, a baseball team in the fifties called the Pelicans. And you had the what was it, Zephyrs? The oh, the Zephyrs, yeah, yeah, more the, recent. The, which was the Mets minor league uh, team you had for a few years down in New Orleans. Yeah, we we switched teams a lot. We were the we I think we were the Marlins team at right, one time right, as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, is I the Sephiroth still around? Are they still in existence? I believe so, but that tells you how much of a baseball town we are. I don't even know. <laughs> All right, so 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 um, for those who of you that don't know, New Orleans is football first. Football first, second, and third. First, second, third, and Jesus. All right, that's New Orleans. <laughs> and in New Orleans is New Orleans A and LSU B. <laughs> Not even Tulane. Tulane does not get the play LSU gets in New Orleans. Man, I was in LSU. I mean, when I was in New Orleans, it was right around the time it was my, uh, in 1988, when Chris Jackson, who became Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, freshman at LSU, I went to that game at the Superdome against Georgetown where they broke, broke the record for the most games indoor stadium. And mm-hmm. Chris Jackson was just a rave down in New Orleans. It was here. It was LSU, LSU. And um, at the time, LSU football wasn't as big as it would get. It was still the second team after the Saints. But later on, when LSU became a superpower, oh, forget it. Uh, Jadi, when they won the championship, it was huge down in New Orleans, right? Yeah, when we won against Oklahoma, I remember jumping up and down on my my sofa. We won, we won. We, I mean, LSU, for, for for most of my childhood, LSU was bad to okay. Right, you know right, I mean? right, right, right. And, and when Nick Saban came in, and we produce, Louisiana produces per capita the most NFL players. Mm-hmm. So we have the talent here. And right. what Nick Saban did was he kept all the players in-house. We kept them at L- LSU because th- those players would always be going to Florida State. Or they'd right, be going right. to Hey, look, Marshall Falk and Peyton Manning are from New Orleans, right. but they didn't go right. to LSU. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. So Ed Reed is from from here. So <laughs> it's like... Um, oh, New Orleans has had a few great, I mean, legendary players. Um, I put Falk and Peyton one and two, but you've had a lot. You could you could probably name another five, six. Uh, yeah, New Orleans have had some great NFL players. None of them played for LSU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so we 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 kept our players and we became great. So, oh, um, one last one last thing I want to want to ask you, if and it's not going to happen, but let's say by some miracle, in the next three four years, the Saints would get Joe Burrow, how huge would that be? <laughs> I, I, just, oh, oh, I would love that. That's not going to happen, <laughs> but. I think Joe Burrow is going to be like a Hall of Fame. You know what? The first game I saw Joe Burrow play mm-hmm. at LSU, I think it was against BYU. The right. first three plays, he audibled into into a play that worked. I was like, oh, my God, this dude is a championship quarterback. And that was the, that was the year before we won the national that. championship. I was like, oh, my God, this dude is a great quarterback. Yeah, he's not he's not leaving leaving Cincinnati because he's from that area. They 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 they're going to build that whole team around him. But man, he's already a legend in Louisiana, and if for some way, uh, let me stop dreaming. Uh, Johnny, <laughs> I want to thank you. This was another great episode, and we will continue this when we talk Drew Brees, your greatest saint of all time. And now I'm gonna try to get you with you next month to do that podcast. This podcast is dedicated to legends and legendary teams. That's it. We don't look at so-so players. Ricky Jackson's a legend. One of the all-time greats of his era. Like Jody said, one of three Saints in the Hall of Fame. Um, He had an incredible career. Overlooked in college. uh, 
for some reason, and Jody explained it to you, he was used more of a, as a coverage linebacker than a pass rushing linebacker during the mid to late 90s. But then when he became a pass rushing again, he stepped it up in his early to late 30s. And even at the age of 36, with a great team in the 49ers, he had nine and a half sacks. At, and when he was in, when he was had lost two or three steps, he was past his prime. And he retired on a great note, made the Hall of Fame. And you're right, he, he didn't get inducted. He got inducted uh, the week or two before the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010. Oh, great, great serendipity that. <laughs> it, it was great timing. It was great yeah. timing. Um, uh, salute to Ricky Jackson. Those yes, growing sir. up a Saint fan, he was the first of many shining stars. Because before Ricky Jackson, you didn't have a legendary Saints defensive player, right? I can't think of one. No, you did not. You didn't have a legendary Saints player except for Arch Manning. Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, un, un, unfortunate, unfortunately, and he set a standard. He set a standard that um, today really, I mean, really hasn't. You know, I thought it was going to be a great saint, but I don't know what happened with it. Was Junior Gallette. Um Yeah, we had a number of players like that. We had Chris I, Ivory look like he was going to uh, be good. I thought Junior Gallette was going to be a monster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he had great pass rushing skills, but oh yeah. man. And so, but you know, still no one has topped Ricky when it comes to overall defense mastery on the Saints team since that Dome Patrol separated in the early nineties. Uh Jadi, thank you for coming on. We will definitely be talking soon. Ladies and gentlemen, next week. Um, I don't know who I will, I'll be talking about next week. I'm trying for it to be Patrick Ewing. I will see the guy that I'm doing the show with right now is, is currently unavailable, but I want to do it with, with, with my brother because he's been a Patrick Ewing fan since the days of Georgetown. And I want to give Patrick Ewing his flowers because Jadi, growing up in New York, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a Knicks fan. I was a Sixers fan, but I was totally, totally taken back and upset and disgusted at the way the New York media treated Patrick Ewing throughout his entire career. The man carried this team on his back for 15 years, and all the New York racist media could do was say, oh, oh, he's not a winner. He's, he's not a champion like Messier. Man, shut up. <laughs> Look at what he had to carry, all right? Yeah, he yeah. never played with another Hall of Famer his entire Knicks career. Not one. Because Houston and Sprewell will only way they go to the Hall of Fame is they buy tickets, right? No. They're not getting in. They're not getting in. <laughs> so it, it really upset me. That's why I'm glad I do the do these podcasts on boxing, music, and, and sports and have guys on you guys like you on, because it tells our side of the story. It tells us we tell the listeners what we saw and we don't bring in those racist stereotypes or oh that that the establishment that the predominantly middle class middle age media does so i'm i'm happy that you brought up and talked about ricky jackson because like we mentioned at the beginning ricky has never been given the credit for the incredible career he had it took him over 10 years to make the uh national football league hall of fame that's criminal that's right. criminal his contemporaries all would say how great he was all right yep he came in out. fact bill, bill parcells used to threaten lawrence taylor 
<laughs> you're joking, but be like, well, I'm going to trade you for that linebacker down in New Orleans. He says something else. Yeah. Hold up. He says something else. Hold on. I'm glad you mentioned that. He said something else. He was like, uh, and was something to, to, to the effect of what you said. He was like, oh, well, uh, Ricky Jackson could have could have got gotten to the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, that's how he used to motivate Lawrence Taylor. Ricky Jackson could have done that. <laughs> that's the respect. And if Parcells and Belichick saw the greatness in Ricky Jackson, the media and Jade Jody talks about talked about it in the program how New Orleans never was looked at uh, nationally as a national team. They looked at now, but it took a long time. It took to the Peyton Breeze era. But um, I'm glad we got to do this episode on Ricky Jackson because I doubt anybody will ever do a podcast on the greatness of Ricky Jackson. Big right. man, we will be talking soon. All right. I appreciate